Hi, my name is Matthew Cowan, and I'm the founder of Digital Futures, a Caribbean-based consultancy aimed at helping small businesses understand and better use digital technologies. I'm also the author of the Futurist Digital Newsletter, and I'm glad you're here listening to this narrated version. The full-text version is available on the website at thefuturistdigital.substack.com. Please take a moment to rate this on Apple Podcasts and to share it with anyone you think would be interested. On to this week's issue. 26th of March, 2020. The new reality. Caribbean businesses need to adapt quickly and permanently. In this issue, I didn't once mention COVID-19. Oh, damn. The crisis will affect the region more deeply and for longer than we realise. Like most of us, you may find you have more time on your hands than before, for all the wrong reasons. If you own or work in a business that is not recognised as a necessity of the state, think medical or food-related companies, you may find your company is at a complete standstill. I've been witnessing plenty of posts on LinkedIn and email campaigns telling me they are practising business continuity or offering free of charge help in getting you up and running for remote working. In fact, you should take advantage now, as they'll likely charge you a crap ton of money soon for such services. I'm assuming it is true and they're all flawlessly executing their well-thought-out and well-tuned DR plans. But putting my snark aside, I started thinking about the change that is currently forced upon businesses, and particularly those located in the Caribbean. Challenging times for any business, regardless of your location in the world. For us here in the Caribbean, the effects are multiple and felt almost immediately. Take tourism. The numbers of cancellations or demands for reimbursement must be too frightening to look at. The knock-on effects of having no tourists affect local businesses geared up to take our tourists on day trips, eat in restaurants, buy souvenirs, and countless other activities that are all revenue generating. We know that direct and indirect revenue of global tourism was at about 10.4% of global GDP in 2017, predicted to rise by 3.8% per annum over the coming years, according to the World Travel and Tourism Council in their Economic Impact 2018 report. In the Caribbean, 15.5% of total GDP in the region is attributed to tourism, 2.4 million jobs, i.e. 13.5% of the entire working population in the region, which is valued at 35.4 billion US dollars. This view is shared by an opinion piece published by CARICOM today, in fact. Putting it in different terms, in tourism alone, around a sixth of the economy has suddenly disappeared. The effects are more wide-reaching than that too. Unlike many continents, ours is not contiguous. The closing of borders and the cancelling of flights has significant implications for not only passengers but freight. In the case of fresh fruit and vegetables that are not or cannot be grown locally, this put a strain on getting these supplies into local shops. Small is the number of islands in the region that can self-supply all the food necessary to feed their populations using local agriculture and food processing facilities. What this all means, businesses in the Caribbean are going to need some severe rethink of their business models in the near future to both survive and rebound. In the near term, developing products and services to deal with the immediate losses and then thinking through longer term consequences and how best they can adapt this to, the, to this new reality and to the long-term wants and needs of a population that wants change. Forced change isn't necessarily good. 
I'm guessing we can all agree that change is forced upon us currently. It might be the first time in your entire working career that you are working from home. You're juggling work with homeschooling and sharing the space with your partner, both adjusting to the new norm as best as you can. The regular routine is destabilised and we are all in a state of uncertainty. I don't know when we're going to get through this, but I know it isn't going to be next week. But this abrupt change in our personal lives translates to a sudden and deep change for business too. Here in the Caribbean, we've been used to traditional businesses that have had little incentive to change in the face of digital transformation. Captive audiences have enabled them to stagnate in their innovation and in their offerings to the public. That comes back to buy regardless of price, availability or choice. I'm generalising, of course. And there are some innovative firms out there, but they are mostly confined to services and often have clientele throughout the region or in fact the world. I have been very frustrated over the last 16 years that the development of digital solutions has been severely behind the times of other countries. 16 years ago, I lived in the UK and we had been ordering our groceries online and having them delivered to our flat five years before that. Yes, you read that right. Over 20 years ago, supermarkets in the UK were providing online ordering and door-to-door delivery. You're lucky in the French West Indies to have one pickup point. And you're required to drive to it yourself. If you're fortunate, you'll get the time slot you want. Have they not heard of jobs to be done? This is not the only industry that is decades behind. The result feeds the collective cognitive dissonance in the region where we as educated and worldly exposed people through social media and travelling cannot understand why we don't have access to the same things. Let me be clear, no one is asking for one hour to the door Amazon Prime deliveries of your favourite artisan toothpaste. Let's leave that for the hipsters in Brooklyn. However, is it beyond expectation to want to be able to order something online and have it delivered to your door in a day or two? Computers, phones, food, tools, groceries, services, the list is endless. In fact, I would prefer to read that, that the opportunity is unlimited. But I can't quite manage that right now, sadly. Many changes in life. I wanted to highlight a couple of tweets and articles that show that changes are being made and made very quickly, indicating what might be in the post-pandemic world we are currently moving towards. The following tweet was from Dave Horwitz. It says, My friend is going on a first date tonight with a girl he's been talking to on Tinder. They're going to park next to each other at a McDonald's and talk with the windows cracked while eating their own individual orders of fries. How's that for romance and longing? Jane Austen. I enjoyed the tweet. The idea that a younger generation is taking this in their stride, compensating and coming up with simple but effective ideas to continue. Dating is so essential for the world, and self-containment and confinement couldn't be more damaging if it tried. But as, as witnessed above, we as humans seem to find a solution. This next tweet is from Stuart Butterfield. Stuart is the CEO of Slack, a collaboration tool I've mentioned before. In a lengthy Twitter thread, he documented how his company went from a couple of million daily active users to over 11 million in the space of a couple of weeks. The tweet says, It felt like the shift from inboxes to channels, which we believe to be inevitable over five to seven years, just got fast forwarded by 18 months. Good for our business. But what about everyone else? Many sectors were already hit hard, 
and the fallout for small business could be devastating. But this tweet identifies perfectly the shift business is facing, independent to this pandemic. He estimates that the shift from email communication, which is the backbone of so many companies today, is moving to channel communications, and that has accelerated by possibly 18 months as a result of this pandemic. I would argue that it has accelerated change even faster than that. Channel-type communication is so much better for teams. Whether they are two metres away from you or two continents, it's two-way, it's subject-filtered, it's asynchronous and synchronous at the same time, and most of all, it's personable, unlike email. How many times have you written an email, forgot the smiley, and the recipient completely missed the point? The feedback loop of interaction is so much better, and it can help people articulate how people in the team feel about each other's efforts and implication. All done seamlessly, easily, taking next to no time. In years past, managers and co-workers would need to draft and double-check an email to give feedback for the project you were working on together. If that feedback was personal, there were just too many risks associated with getting the tone wrong. Other innovations are being fast-tracked with some surprising results. The uncanny valley that technology so often creates is being redesigned at breakneck pace. Things that were proposed over 10 years ago that were rejected by the world for their insensitivity or downright weirdness at the time are readily accepted today in this climate of pandemic. My son had his first virtual class through Hangouts this morning. I'd been pressing the education system for years to innovate and use virtual learning, all to no avail. How life changes. As another example, have a read of this article on 1.0 hosted on Medium. The title, Coronavirus is Spurring a New Era of Digital Funeral. It will become more and more acceptable, not only from a health standpoint, but as we continue to distance ourselves from our birth towns, looking for better opportunities and lifestyles, we will need these tools to help us reconnect back home when needed. From a personal point of view, I would have liked to have had this option a few years ago when my grandmother passed away, and I was regrettably unable to make the transatlantic journey back to the UK for the funeral, for time and financial reasons. Or let's consider this article on protocol, what it feels like to be laid off on Zoom during the crisis. Ouch! Will we look at this with the same distaste in the near future? From a more local perspective, this crisis has shown us many things, things we honestly didn't want to face. Take the aforementioned disaster preparedness. The number of companies that I consulted for that reduced their disaster recovery budgets to peanuts because they didn't see the value left me feeling dismayed. Apparently, volcanoes, earthquakes and hurricanes are a non-issue. <laughs> Go figure. But coronavirus has called their bluff, and it's not looking great for some. Flexible working should have been a norm 10 years ago. The tools existed back then, but they were rudimentary and only slowly developed. Why did it take so long? Because there was no demand, no incentive. Software companies had no audience to sell to. Companies with ancient attitudes wanted bums on seats rather than productive and collaborative workers because they didn't trust them out of the office. You must trust them now, though. Slack and Teams would have arrived earlier if businesses had been more grown up about it. I'll leave you with one last thought. I wrote about Fortnite hosting a live mega concert for Marshmallow, with something like around 10.7 million concert goers. 
not counting the countless Twitch streamers, which was estimated at a total of around 27 million people all told. I wondered then, as I do now, how could this technology be used for more serious business purposes? I was a regular attendee of Microsoft conferences over the last 13 to 14 years. Conferences that attract up to 25,000 attendees in one place. I have a badge and a letter to prove it. So how could Microsoft replace these conferences with an entirely digital experience? One thought that comes to mind is precisely that blueprint trialled by Fortnite. Minecraft, Microsoft's online virtual world game stroke education platform, brags over 90 million monthly active users. Its scale is enormous, more significant than anything we can create in the real world for cost, permit and land constraints. Estimates of between 1 and 10 million simultaneous users are suggested. Microsoft's virtual conference could be opened up for many more attendees, offering Microsoft further reach than it is physically possible and more interaction with its up-and-coming partners, resellers and developers. Attending a recent webcast about virtual conferences, the speaker, who happened to be the organiser of the Virtual Island Summit I attended last year, mentioned that the mere fact that the summit was virtual allowed participation from an island so remote that only a 12-day boat trip to South Africa, one that happened once every three months, was possible. The impossible made possible because of digital transformation. The Futurist Digital Newsletter is intended for anyone interested in digital technologies and how they affect business. I hope you can forward it to people you feel are interested in the subject. If this email was forwarded to you, please don't forget to subscribe for yourself. You can sign up from the email. Visit the archives to read all previous issues. Thanks for being a supporter. Have a great day.